Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Footy Brains podcast. We've had the preseason challenge round one teams come out. We've got some mid and edge talk as well today. Um, just before we get straight into the podcast, I actually might um, give a bit of a bit of a teaser for something that we've been working on in the background. Um, you'll be able to see a bit more about it next week, but it's going to come with some extra content and some additional stuff that we'll be doing through Instagram. So keep an eye on our socials at Footy Brains Pod. Uh, on Instagram and our episode next week, which will be out on, you know, all your favorite podcasting platforms as well. Um, so Josh, I might start off with a bit of talk about the uh, preseason challenge, the round one team list that came out. It's there's a few interesting talking points, but um, I think it's probably safe to say that, you know, you can't really draw too many conclusions from these teams that have come out. It's very kind of hit and miss. There's a couple of juniors. There's a couple of senior players. Some teams have gone without all their senior players as well. Um, but I might just start with um, the Tigers. So we've got Asu Kapoa and Tommy Talau named at centre. Do you think that's good news considering there's no other first graders really in the squad? Yeah, I don't mind that actually. Um, Kapoa is one that is kind of interesting to me. Tommy Talau, I think he's in a decent amount of teams as well. So yeah, it's promising, I guess, that they're, they're named in uh, in these you know trial teams, given a given a chance in the, in the centres. Um, it's just yeah, as you were saying, it's kind of hard to gauge. Maybe this is actually bad for us that this is the Tigers like twos team basically. So if they're in the twos team, maybe they're not in the firsts. Um, yeah. But uh, fingers crossed that they you know play well and get themselves into that round one team. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that Kapoa and Talau would be the starting centers for the Tigers because Talau obviously offers a lot of value um, as a fantasy coach. Like starting at 250K, he's one that everyone kind of wants to pick up. But yeah, it's kind of hard to know because they've got Staines at fullback as well and they're playing Utuikamanu in the front row and he's their captain, but no other first graders pretty much in this squad. So it's a bit, um, yeah, it's a bit hard to draw any conclusions on who's going to be playing round one from these teams so far. Um and actually, another one is the Panthers. Zach Hosking's playing at number 12, but Panthers have named no other first graders. So I've got a feeling that he's probably unlikely to be in the 17 um, come round one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Especially, yeah, the Panthers, they've just got such a strong uh, starting team. I think, yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if Hosking is there come, come round one. Maybe he, you know, jags a bench spot or something like that, but... Um, yeah, I doubt very highly that it'll be like in that 12 role or, or something like that come round one. Yeah, I suppose it's probably good news for Garner, right? The fact that he wasn't named, it's it's kind of positive that he is in this first grade squad. Well, that's what we're hoping, right? Yeah, exactly. And moving on to the Roosters team. The Roosters have probably named the strongest squad, I'd say, in these team lists. They've got pretty much all their first graders. They've got... Diwali at centre. They've got Smith starting against the Storm. Uh, Matt Lodge as well is starting, um, even though he hasn't signed on for the season. It, most likely, the, fa- the fact that he's been named, it looks like that he's actually going to sign on for this season. So uh, that's ideal at well, as well. Uh, what do you think um, Smith's chances are at jagging a try against the against the Storm? <laughs> yeah, I wonder how, how seriously he's going to take it, I guess, going up against his, his former club. Um but yeah, I I like seeing Lodge there. I think he potentially presents some value depending on what he's priced at coming to the season. I think that there's some value in that uh, Roosters pack without guys like um, Takayaho and stuff in their in their team. There's some 
some minutes there. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how Smith goes in this team if he kind of rotates into lock with Radley or kind of the minutes, how they shape up and, yeah, if there's any potential value there. Yeah, that's an interesting one I hadn't really thought about. Like, given your, your, your predicted Roosters starting team with Radley at 13, Smith at 9, and most likely it looks like it's going to be Drew Hutchinson in that number 14 uh, jersey. When Hutchinson comes in, do you think it's likely that Smith will rotate through lock, or do you think Radley is, like, bound for a close to an 80-minute um, position there at lock? Yeah, I was thinking about this today. I think that he might rotate through the middle a little bit. Just... I don't know. I think they're a little bit, they're not as, like they do still have a pretty good pack with guys like Collins and stuff there, but, um, you know, losing Takayaho, where your Hargraves is, you know, it doesn't have that kind of same punch, I think, anymore. I could see them definitely kind of using Smith somewhere in the rotation as a, as the 13, maybe to spell Radley or something. I'm not really sure, but, um, that's that's an interesting one that I'll be yeah I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, fingers crossed. I'd I'd really like it if he does play close to eighty. It means that he's honestly becomes a pretty much a gun to or a must have starting round one if he does get that rotation and seventy plus minutes on the park as well. That'd be excellent. Uh, and the Raiders team, Croker was named at centre, Horsburgh was named at lock, and they actually named Trey Mooney on an edge. Um, I guess is do you think that's good news for Horsburgh come round one? Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of tricky to tell, but I I think it is. I think he is probably yeah the it's really between him and Harawir uh, and I, isn't it for that thirteen role? I think um, there was some talks yeah. that Emre Guler as well. He's starting a prop for this game. Is kind of in the chats for that thirteen spot as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's yeah pretty positive for the big red. And um, we'll see, because I think whoever gets that 13 spot for the Raiders presents some value when we look at, you know, guys that have, like how, you know, Adam Elliott played last year. And if someone can get 55, 60 minutes starting a lock, um, given the kind of price of these guys like Horsburgh and um, Howard and I and people like that, they present some value potentially. Yeah, I know I'll be keeping a close eye on this game. I think it'll just be good to see Croker come back from that shoulder injury. He's closing in on 300 games, I'm pretty sure, as well. So if he does get a starting spot this year, he'll he'll go over that um, that milestone, which will be good to see. And at the Bulldogs, Avarillo and Alamotti were named the centres. Um, this Bulldog squad is kind of a mix of juniors and um, senior players, but I think that centre pairing looks, um, looks like it's going to be the one that they go through to round one with. Um, what are your thoughts there? I'm really happy to see Alamotti in there. Um, I'm kind of hanging out for him as a as a cheapy. I think, um, like, they're just. I wonder how many of them are going to kind of present themselves for for round one, like these Tommy Talaus, like Alamotti. Um, I have a feeling come round one, a few that we uh, we're really hoping to get named won't be named. So um, I'm yeah, really hoping he gets named because if he does he'll uh, be a really popular cheapy. And I think center in particular is a really hard position this year. And I've kind of been playing around my team a little bit more and it looks like I'm going to go probably cheaper in the center with hopefully someone like a hammer and an Alamotti or someone like that 
potentially. Um, just going kind of like bargain basement and making up in other positions. But yeah, we've got to have those kind of cheap options, I guess. And he also kind of provides some some depth and cover if your original center wants to go down or has a buy or something like that. So yeah, fingers crossed he can jack that spot for our one, I guess. Yeah, I, I kind of like the chat there about, you know, going cheap in the centers because there's not a lot of players in the centers that present a ton of value, at least at the mid to high range um, price mark. I think a lot of the players that you're kind of looking at, like you said, your Alamotis, your Talaus, your Tabuai Fidos, um, even a, a Chans in there as well. Like there's a lot of players that um, are more valuable in the cheap side. And I think it's going to be very hard to make a bit of cash if you're filling those with some guns like your Val Holmes. It's not that I don't think Holmes and, you know, Manu will do well this season. I just think you can definitely get a lot more value out of putting cheapies in those positions and then upgrading to those kind of players back end of the season. Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. I was playing around, so I was like, oh, would I rather have a bit of Val Holmes or, uh, you know, Tommy Turbo in your in your fullbacks or, yeah. you know, upgrading to an Adam Elliott or someone like that in your in your forwards. So it's, it's a bit of a balancing act. And, yeah, yeah. I want to, I think, come round one, a lot of coaches – if we get these cheapies, probably be doing the same thing. Yeah, and I, I was having a look at the Insta questions as well for the podcast today, and there's actually one on this, so we'll, we'll go back to to this chat um, at the end of the pod as well because there's a few other positions that I wanted to have a talk about. Um, and moving on to the Dolphins as well. So Ray Stone actually got named at lock with Tessie New and Ewan Aitken in the centres. And Tavare actually got a, a, a name on the, on the bench as well. So he's going to be in this trial team. Um, what do you make of that? Aitken and New as the centers. It looks probably like they're going to be the starting centers. Yeah, it does look that way. They obviously brought Tess and York cross kind of late in the piece, but um, you'd assume uh, for both of those guys, they were you know, playing first grade pretty much most weeks for their former clubs. They're being probably promised that they will get these spots here at the Dolphins. You and Aitken is a tricky one because he's only available at um, at edge this time around. So I think uh, you can't really consider him. He's also pretty highly priced. Um, Testing you, can't remember how much he is, but he's probably not somebody that I'm considering for, you know, the start of the season. See how this Dolphins team plays on. Well, I just, I'm really worried about the Dolphins. I think they're going to be <laughs> pretty average. Um, so I don't know how much, you know, attacking stats some of these backs will be getting. Um I am intrigued about Ray Stone, though. You know, I think he had a really good, you know, PPM and things like that when he was at the Eels. If he's getting, you know, potentially 50-plus minutes, even if he's coming off the bench, come round one and getting, you know, in that 40 to 50 minutes, I'll be pretty pretty keen on him and probably someone I'm going to jag on my bench just just in case and see see what happens with him because he's he's pretty uh, pretty cheap and, yeah, could, could go off make some money. yeah i think i think you're right there even if he does have a bench spot i've kind of turned around on my thinking with regarding ray stone i was i was all cold on him when i thought that gilbert was going to be starting at lock and he was going to be off the bench maybe getting 20 30 minutes but having a look at his stats when he does get you know that 25 to 30 minutes anyway off the bench he's still kind of averaging around the 20 to 30 mark anyway so if he can get some decent minutes in the middle um, and get some good base stats out of it there's no reason why he can't you know jag 70 80k um, from a bench spot at the Dolphins but 
My my worry is that because the Dolphins, you know, this is their first season in the league, who knows what um, defensively they're going to look like. He might have plenty of missed tackles and not much in attacking stats and tackle busts and meters and stuff like that. So it'll be, it's concerning to go someone like that, especially a, be, especially a bench forward. But when you look at the likes of um, like Matt Croker and Leo Thompson last year, there's always that chance that, you know, they get decent decent enough base stats to make you some cash. For sure, yeah. And yeah, as you were saying, he doesn't need to do that much to kind of bump up in price. Like we'll play around with some prices and things like that. If he's in the 20s, uh, like over 25 points, he should go up around 100K, which is pretty handy. And he can be kind of a stepping stone to, to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. And the last team I want to talk about from the team list was the Titans, actually, with Aaron Clark named Locke. Um, do you think that's likely come round one? I mean, that, they've named a decent-looking spine with Sexton at six and uh, Tanner Boyd at seven and Jaden Campbell at fullback, but they haven't named Brimson at all, and he's got to fit into this pack. Same with Kieran Foran as well. Um, what do you what do you think the likeliness of uh, likelihood of you know Clark getting that lock spot is? Yeah, I'm not sure honestly. Like. Um... I'm kind of hoping he is because we saw at the end of last year when he had those games there, he's got a really good PPM and pumped out some pretty big scores. So he's definitely intriguing there. It's, yeah, just tricky with, you know, some of these other guys that have to come back into the team. Where does he where does he fit in? But, yeah, I think he's potentially an interesting one. Even if he's coming off the bench and playing as, yeah, like a 50-plus minute role um, through through the middle there as well. One thing I think it kind of makes interesting as well is if, you know, Aaron Clark's playing off off the bench and, um, you know, there's no other utility kind of hooker on the bench there. I guess I've got Jaden Campbell potentially who'd be there as well. But it means that Sam Verrill's probably going to get a lot of minutes. So I guess with my draft hat on, I'm kind of looking at him and thinking, wow, maybe he can be close to 80 minutes there at the Titans. So... Uh, yeah, it's really interesting how how it'll make it up, and then um, kind of the flow and effects of guys like yeah Clark and where he plays for the rest of the team. Yeah, he's got some utility value, Clark. But I think that like for as a you know looking at look at, at fantasy from a draft point of view, having a player like that obviously doesn't offer you huge scoring potential from the start, but there's always that chance that they jag the starting spot, they get big minutes, and then they become a gun. And there's lots of players like that kind of mixed throughout that, you know, if they get the minutes and they get the time on the field, they'll actually get you good points. So looking at it from a draft perspective, it's like, oh, you've got to weigh up. You know, he's not going to be the best pick um, for round one, but looking further throughout the season, they actually don't look too bad um, when injuries yeah. come about, when, you know, the squad gets rotated around a bit, say the Titans are struggling, you know, they've got to move players around. You never know what's going to happen, really. You know, goes into origin, things like that. Yeah, there's definitely some some upside to him. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's enough of the round one preseason teams. Let's move on to our mid and edge kind of uh, preview. We'll start with the mids. What is your best value mid option? Best value mid option. One guy I'm pretty keen on this year is um, Paddy Carrigan. I think he's going to have a really big step up this year. He was obviously coming off the, the ACL last year. And if you listen to NRL Physio and his podcast and just 
it was really crazy, I think, what he did last year coming back off that that injury. Usually you see like a bit of a decline in performance. He was unreal. I think he's got another preseason under his belt. He's a real kind of alpha in this pack. Um, we don't really know, I guess, what's going to happen with Payne Haas. Potentially there'll be less minutes for him. So I I think that kind of all signs point to, to Paddy Carrigan him have a, a really big season. He's someone that is... It's been pretty much locked into my starting team from uh, from the start of when fantasy opened up. So I'm quite keen on him, both for a yeah draft and um, and classic. So he's probably one of the values that that I like for sure. Yeah, I have him on my list as well. I think his break even's 49, and that is pretty easily hit by him. I think he'll average around the the low to mid 50s anyway. Um, but he has that potential just to go big like he did last year off the back of the ACL. And the same reasoning you gave there, like NRL Physio always says that um, the first season back, they generally have a, a bit of a decline, but then the second season they're, they're rock solid and they actually come into a bit of form. And that's why I actually like Adam Dewey as well. Can't wait. <laughs> um, another value option actually I have and I wanted to ask you about was Adam Elliott. What are your what are your thoughts around him and do you think he's going to have big minutes at, at lock for the Knights? Yeah, I'm a little bit less bullish on Adam Elliott as some people. Uh, he's not in my team at the moment, but one that I'll probably be kind of weighing up come around on team list. I want to see kind of what that bench makeup is and things like that. We know how good he was last year when he's getting the minutes. Um, but yeah, he's kind of awkwardly priced. He, he should make, make you money, but I think he's, yeah, kind of awkward in the sense, like, do you go up a little bit further and go someone like a Ruben Cotter instead, or do you downgrade to someone else I really like, like a Vitala Mariner or a, or a Hopgob, even a little bit cheaper. So, um, he's a little bit of a tricky one kind of, I think depends on ownership as well, going into, into round one and how many people are on him but at the moment he's not in my team yeah that's fair and what about mitch barnett as well he's another one moving over to the warriors that looks like he's bound for a a pretty big minute uh edge role there um obviously at a similar price to adam elliott and a similar break even what are your thoughts yeah i'm a little bit hesitant on mitch barnett as well i think um (laughs) some people when they go to warriors are just for some reason, historically, kind of just kills their performance. I'm, I'm worried about Mitch Barnett and uh, if that'll happen to him. But, yeah, I probably wouldn't be starting him in Classic, but looking into him for a draft, definitely, because, you know, if you look at his stats historically, if he's getting 80 minutes on an edge, he's averaging pretty close to 50 points a game, um, you know, throughout season. So it's definitely value there. I'm probably a little bit too scared to start with him in classic um, just because of the risks there. But um, yeah, more of maybe a draft for me. Yeah. Today I learned that um, Josh hates my classic team because they're both guys that I have in my starting team (laughs) at the moment. So uh, might have to rethink there. I I kind of like both of them to be honest, but you're right. They need to, Barnett needs to get 80 minutes um, and the Warriors need to have a bit of form because his scores generally come from, you know, having a few tackle busts and some run meters. Yes, he gets a lot of base stats, but when he gets the really big scores, he's generally got attacking stats mixed in. And Adam Elliott, kind of similar, right? They He needs 60-plus minutes to to hit those 50-plus scores, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. I guess hate is, is a strong word, but... Uh... <laughs> 
yeah, just I'm going different ways at this point. Um, we'll see. I've got a lot of uh, money spent in my front row or in my um, mids as well with kind of switched my team around recently. I've got Cam Murray in there as well. So um, it's just not a lot of spots for, for other guys, for me at the moment at least. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And who are you looking at as the biggest trap in the mids at the moment? I think I'll throw like three and they're all from the same team. And that's uh, Tigers, <laughs> Tigers mids. Maybe not including, well, uh, Papali is edge only, I believe. But um, three that I'm probably hesitant on is Clemmer um, and then Joe Lowe and also Alex Tuol. Three that I'm kind of concerned about. I think there's just too many mouths to feed there in the in the Tiger squad. They've got Stefano as well, who people are kind of tipping as, um, you know, maybe he'll have increased minutes again and kind of replicate his form like it was a couple of seasons ago. I'm just all a little bit scared on him, honestly. Um, if I had to pick one, I think Joe O is probably the safest out of all of those options. And I think his minutes will hopefully stay pretty high. But yeah, other guys like Clemmer and I'm just, yeah, concerned, especially with Clemmer, the amount of minutes and things he was getting last year. He's pretty highly priced. I just don't think that's going to translate when he goes over the Tigers. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, he was the main front rower at the to- at the, the Knights last season and he was the one getting plenty of minutes, making a lot of tackles, a lot of run meters. He was their kind of, you know, pin to pushing them down the field. So, um, yeah, I don't see how he carries that kind of momentum into the Tigers. They, it's going to be much more shared, I think, like you're saying. It's it's not all going to go down to Clemmer um, in that forward pack. Uh, my sure, trap... Yeah actually, is from your favorite team, the Cowboys, um, Jason Tamalolo. Unbelievably, <laughs> he's in over 7% of teams at the moment uh, based on his form last year. He, I just don't see how he gets the minutes with, with Cotter and Robson in the, in the form that they're in. Last year, we saw them kind of, you know, break out as the two obvious players at the Cowboys that were putting in, you know, a lot of the effort and kind of carrying them through the season. But um do you think Tamalolo gets back to similar minutes that he was seeing in, in the past, even with Cotter and Robson around? No, I don't think so. I don't think the minutes are going to be there, but he's kind of a tricky one because sometimes, honestly, with him, it doesn't, the minutes aren't, aren't the biggest concern. Like if he's playing, you know, 40 to 50 minutes, he can still pump out those big scores, um, depending on how they use him as like an impact or if he just, has one of those games where he runs over teams in the second half um, after kind of Cotter and the rest of them kind of wear down the packs. But um, yeah, he's one I'm not looking at to start with. I was surprised. Yeah, 7% is pretty high for a guy who I don't think presents that much value. And yeah, yeah, potentially risky to start the season with. You know, he probably gets worked in a little bit with minutes. Yeah, got a pretty good pack as it is. But I obviously think he's a weapon biased Cowboys supporter, but um, yeah, one maybe if he drops it a bit in price and then I feel like he's always one you're kind of looking at over the buy periods and stuff like that because he doesn't play Origin. So yeah, I think he comes into the conversation eventually throughout the season, just not for the start. 
Yeah, now that the now that the Cowboys aren't relying on him as much anymore either, I think that's really hurt his scoring potential as well because they were always looking to him to kind of change the game and, you know, get them a win half the time. So now that you've got blokes around him um, that can obviously lift some of the weight and take it off his shoulders, it looks like that, yeah, his scoring potential is kind of diminished. He used to be up there in contention with the guns like every season, but yeah, not so much these days. Yeah, anyway, moving on. Yep. Sorry, like... um. I had him last year in draft and it was just so frustrating because if the Cowboys were, you know, dominating a team, Payton had a pretty, Payton, you know, might not even put him on for the second stint if they're on, but up by, you know, 20 points, you know, just, you know, chuck him on ice and get him ready for the next next week. So yeah. he's kind of got that risk as well if um, the Cowboys are running over teams. So Yeah, exactly. Risky. Uh, moving on to some draft chat now. Um, what does your top five draft rankings look like for this mid position? Yeah, so number one, I think, is pretty clear cut in Cam Murray. Um, and I've got him averaging over seven points for my number two, which is pretty crazy. Um, I think people forget that last game of the season, he got like a one or two in his points as well. So he's um, his average is probably close to the, the 70 mark if you get rid of that one injury-affected game that he had. Um, I think he potentially presents some value. He's a guy that you can, can captain as well. Um, and for a draft league, he should be, I think, a top five uh, pick. The only caveat with him, I guess, actually, he's probably not a drop top five pick depending on when your finals are because uh, the Rabbitohs are one of those teams that will probably have the bye um, during your NRL fantasy finals for draft. So I want to kind of look at your league settings, see, see what's going on there. But um, if you didn't have that bye and, you know, throughout the season, if you play captains and things like that, he should definitely still be up there for picks. Second, I've got Zayo. He's, yeah, shown he's in that, you know, high 50s, 60 average for the last couple of seasons. I think he can potentially get some more, uh, you know, responsibility in that team with no Coruscant. They might use him more in kind of like set plays and things like that. So really like him again this year and have him at number two. Three, I've gone for, for Tapene, um from the Raiders. I think he's going to average in the high 50s and kind of carry on from where he left off at last season. I think at the start of the season, people forget that he was – you know, kind of had some inconsistent minutes. He didn't really have that role, that role uh, locked down. And then that second or kind of mid part of the season is where he really exploded. So um, I expect him to be able to do that for, for more of the year now that he's got seemingly that role and offload and it's kind of, I guess, piped out Pali for Papali'i for the kind of top dog of that Raiders pack. And yeah, quite keen on him again. Four, I've gone for, for Paddy Carrigan. Um, as I was saying, he's one of my values. I think he's elite and going to have a really good year. And then uh, kind of rounding out my top five is Payne Huffs. He's, yeah, showing season after season. He, he does it. I'm a little bit worried about him, but I think he still, you know, makes his way into that number five spot for your draft just because his upside so big. He can just pump out 60-plus scores for fun, as you've seen. And... I think he should, should still have a pretty good role in this in this pack. 
what are your what are your thoughts about those? Any any changes? Anything you do differently? I mean, I, I like them. I like them until you said Carrigan over Haas. That is a that's a big chat. That's a big call right there. <laughs> um, how so? Wait, how how much do you think Carrigan will outscore Haas by? Because in my eyes, I still feel like Haas averages higher than Carrigan over the season. But surely they that when you're comparing like them side by side, you'd take Haas nearly every time, right? Yeah, I guess that's maybe a hot take for me. I see them both as pretty close, but um, my Paddy Carrigan, I guess, man crush for this season, uh, <laughs> piped him a little bit ahead of Haas just for um, if I was, you know, drafting and had them both on the clock, I'd probably go Carrigan just because I think there is a little bit of risk with Haas and I guess seeing what he's going to do this this year, I think it's not a big enough risk to push him out of the top five, but I think it's enough that I'd be willing to lock in Carrigan for a bit more uh, security. Um, and just, I'm kind of curious to see what they do with Haas. Like, can't remember where his contract situation is up to. Is he going to be a Bronco, you know, long term? Are they going to flick him off to somewhere like the Roosters, which has been kind of in the rumors over the last couple of seasons? Um, but yeah. I guess that's the way I've got it standing at the moment. Right, I'm I'm going to hold you to that, Josh, because if it, if come <laughs> our draft, you have the option to go Haas or Carrigan, I better see Carrigan. <laughs> there is no way <laughs> that I make that decision. Wow. Um, actually, I I don't mind the the list that you had there. I had the exact same top three, but I actually had Haas at number four, and I've actually put Ryan Madison in my top five because. Now that Papali is uh, left Parramatta, Maddo is going to have to pick up a lot of those minutes. And the fact that he'll be playing lock and Papali won't be rotating through that position means that he should get big minutes in the middle. And I'm hoping that it kind of pushes his average close to the high 50s, 60 mark as well. I've got a feeling that he'll still get, you know, managed a little bit, so he won't play 80. But I still think if, even if he gets 65 plus minutes, um, around that lock role, I think that he's definitely a top five option in draft. In classic, it's a bit hard because he's quite priced in and he doesn't play for the first couple of rounds because he's suspended. So you kind of got to wait on Matto. You can't just pick him up from round one and hold him. Um, a lot of wasted cash there. But yeah, I think for draft, he's still in contention for a top five pick uh, in the mids anyway, not top five overall. Yeah, I've got him a little bit lower. Just I think there's that risk as well with Madison with his concussion history. If he yeah. if he gets one, that's potentially yeah three to four weeks out or or longer. Um, and yeah, as you were saying, the suspension kind of round one. But yeah, I think he's going to have you know if everything goes his way and he's healthy on the field, um, should have a pretty good season in the mid fifties. You'd expect. Yeah. One other yeah, thing I just wanted to touch on, who's I think was kind of unlucky to miss out on my top five is Cam McInnes. I think he's going to have a really good year again. I know that, you know, potentially he'll be starting off the bench. and But I think he's going to kind of win that spot over Dale Finucane, um in in the pack, you know, throughout the season. Or if I'm just kind of worried about Dale Finucane as well and his kind of health going into the season. I just don't think he's going to last the full season, I guess. <laughs> so I think um, Cam McInnes presents some value too. Yeah, I, I kind of like that you've brought this up because I, I, I kind of don't understand the Sharks' mentality with benching Cam McInnes. I understand he's a rotation player through lock for Dalfinuken, but you're using two players in that lock role that are both starting players for your team, right? Like, surely you can move 
Finucane to a front row role because they are a front rower really short. They've got what Hamlin Ueli, they've got Toby Rudolph, they've got guys off the bench that are, are pretty good in Royce Hunt as well. But you would think that Dal Finucane and um, Toby Rudolph are just set and forget kind of front row options to start and you put McInnes at number 13 and then you have your rotation off the bench as well. Like I, And McInnes can play 80. I don't understand why he's playing off the bench. Sorry, this is like obviously triggered something in me that like McInnes is a gun. Why is he not playing more? I'm thinking of it way too much from a fantasy point of view. But like it, it just screams to me that like, they're just kind of mismanaging the plays that they have. Like they could be top two, a top two team, but McInnes needs to be on the field a lot more. I think. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I wonder what the strategy is behind it. Maybe they just want to keep McInnes on and uh, kind of use Panukin to get that initial sting out of the game. So McInnes can have a bigger impact off the bench. Not really sure, but yeah, as you said, you can, you've seen McInnes historically, he's got, 70 to 80 minutes of, you know, elite tackle machine in him. So uh, it'd be really nice to see him, yeah, get close to that 80 minutes, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I suppose thinking when you think about it more, like his production is huge, obviously, but he obviously doesn't have to run as much when he's playing hooker. So he's a lot more just making the tackles and kind of passing it off. It's not as much of actually, you know, being involved in the game, having to take hit-ups, all that kind of stuff that's added extra as a lock. But still think he can shoulder it. But we'll see how they go through the season, the Sharks. Um, that's enough of that. Let's move on to the edges now. Uh, what is your best value uh, in the edge role for this season? Yeah, this is someone that I've recently kind of come across. But I was looking at, you know, where he's priced and, um, you know, his history and stuff. But... Uh, RFM, Raymond Patel Mariner, I'm quite big on him this year. I think he's going to have a really good year. You know, he's shown even kind of the back end of last year when he was getting those, you know, 80-minute games in this Bulldogs outfit, he was closer to 50 points uh, when he was getting those minutes. Uh, he's priced, you know, much lower than that, so I think he presents a lot of value there. Um and I think his role in this in this team is pretty pretty set, honestly. Um, I think he should get 80 minutes most weeks. Um, I think he was recently named like their forward leader or like captain of the club or something, you know, in their leadership group. So um, that's some really good analysis for me. But <laughs> I, I just think he's, yeah, got a really good role in this team. Should be getting those 80 minutes and presents some value for sure. Yeah, I kind of like that, Chad. He actually wasn't on my list, but he he looks like he's going to get big minutes in this in this Bulldogs pack. The only issue is they obviously signed Kikau and he's coming into the team, but they also lost Jack Hetherington as well. So um, there is minutes there. It's just depending on what Kikau's role is because his role at Penrith was, you know, 60 minutes and then he would, you know, have a spell Kikau. So hopefully it looks kind of similar at the Dogs and he doesn't play 80 because if Kikau plays 80, then someone's going to have to lose minutes somewhere else. And I think that, you know, Fatala Mariner might be that person. But he was an 80-minute edge runner for them, what, three seasons ago before he had that foot injury. Um but there's no reason why he can't be that again. And like you said, he's a he's a leader in this in the in the club. So I've got a feeling that he's going to be he's going to be up and about with some good scores. And I think he's what break even's 39. Like there's there's definitely value there. It's just how much value there is, pretty much. Yeah, if he's on the edge, he'll be pumping out 40 
pluses for fun, for sure. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I've got him closer to a, I've got him at 48 for the season as far as like an average, looking into yeah. his numbers, um, which, yeah, I think potentially if, yeah, if he's getting that, he should be price rise. We should get a price rise around like 120-ish thousand, um, looking at that. So um, I really like him and... He's also, yeah, just a weapon. Good to watch. Has a try in him. And yeah. kind of like one of the old reliable fantasy legends you just, yeah, love to see in your team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's obviously a bunch of value in this edge role. So there's a bunch of players that obviously we want to talk about, but there's no real need to go into too much detail in because we already know that they're good value options. The likes of Jermaine Hopgood, because Maddo's out, um, suspended for the first few rounds, it looks like he's going to get that lock roll and obviously increasing catch in cash over the first uh, rounds. I don't think yeah. he's a long-term lock option though. Like he's probably going to be in there for the first three, four rounds. And then once Maddo's back, he reverts back to the bench and then you've kind of got to trade him. Is that what your thinking is? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see yeah, how how he goes in this team. Even if he's playing off the bench and still getting decent minutes, he could uh, kind of stay in your team and be more of a slow burn, potentially. He's got a lot of raps. A lot of people uh, all over social media, I guess, think he's like the next big thing. He was playing for the Panthers before, and I think because of that, he couldn't kind of crack into that elite you know, starting team that they had there. But uh, if he's got an opportunity here at the Eels uh, could really explode. And yeah, I think someone that most people will be starting with. So I think this is one you just go with the grain and um, hopefully he makes a decent amount of coin to start off your season. Yeah, as long as he's named at number 13 in round one, he's a, he's a set and forget in your, in your edge role. And the good thing is, by the time that Maddo comes back, even if he does move to the bench, he'll still be kind of on the up in his average that you can hold him for one round off the bench and still make a bit of coin from him for that round that Maddo's back and just see what his scores are like. So that's honestly going to present, you know, a good opportunity to then sum up whether you keep him or you drop him based on what your team looks like. So, um, yeah, Jermaine Hopgood looks like a set for set for round one. Um, then there's Luke Garner, obviously, with kick-out gone. He's uh, looking like a set-and-forget option as long as he's named in the 12. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, uh, I really like him as well, if he, if he gets that spot there. Um, be interesting to see how, how close he plays to 80 minutes. I don't think he was a kind of uh, consistent 80 minute when he was at the Tigers. They yeah. usually you know, play him for around that 60 mark, and they've got guys like Scott Sorensen who will potentially come in for him. But I think even if he's playing, yeah, around that 60-plus mark um, and getting an average of around 40, there's there's value there. Because he kind of, he's priced now at a, a 33 average. So, um, yeah, a bit of value there. And I think another one that most people will be going with, you know, round one given he's on the cheaper side and, yeah, should make you some cash. Yeah, absolutely. And another one is uh, actually another two that we I want to look at from the Storm. Um, Elias Katoa would be the first one. So he's the potential player to win an edge spot with obviously both of the back rowers in uh, Kenny Bromwich and Felice Kafusi moving to the Dolphins. Uh, do you think Katoa actually wins the the second edge spot at the Storm or do you think there's going to be another player that might pip him to the, to the role? I don't think he is. Um, I just don't think his defense is going to be up for it. But... Yeah, I think whoever gets the second uh, 
front row spot. I'm I'm assuming that Tarek Sims gets one of them. Um, and then I think whoever gets his second one, whether it's Katoa or um, potentially even Trent Lurio, Lurio, I don't know how I say his Liero, last name, but yeah. <laughs> Liero. Yeah, there you go. Um, he's kind of the one that I'm hoping gets it just because he's a bit cheaper. And um, yeah, if he's getting good minutes on the edge there and, you know, averaging in the mid thirties, um, definitely presents some value as well that you can kind of chuck on your bench or add a stretch play him in your on your bench, I guess. And um, yeah, getting those 30s, 35, 40s. Yeah. Should be good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Katoa is just one to watch. And you already mentioned him. He's the other player that I want to talk about, Tarek Sims. So he looks like he's probably going to be playing an 80-minute role on an edge uh, for the Storm. He His previous form when playing 80 on an edge, obviously last season he had a bit of a down year, wasn't as involved and definitely struggled. But his previous form on an edge playing at 80, he generally averages between 40 and 45 and being at the Storm, I'm assuming that, you know, that's going to be probably about right in terms of his kind of output, um, just because of the way Craig Bellamy kind of drills his team. You know, he'll be very defensively focused, Tarek Sims, I believe. Um, he's currently priced in at an average of 36. His break-even's 36. Do you think Sims presents some value? I guess short answer, no, not really. Like, I think there's a potential that he's in the in the 40s, but... I think more realistically, he's uh, probably going to be hovering that high 30s. Um, I think just with the Storm, they're kind of a weird team like that. You've seen guys like, you know, Kenny Bromwich and Felice Kafusi, who are, you know, elite second rowers, but have still been unable to, um, you know, really crack into that elite second row level. Um, so not really what I'm looking at. You know, and I think he's one. If if you miss him, I don't think it's going to kind of break your team. Um, I'm rather, I'd rather go somewhere a bit cheaper, like a, a Ghana, who I think has a better opportunity to um, make up that value. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you there. the The fact that Kafusi and Kenny Bromwich are both just gun second rowers, and they still didn't average that high at the Storm, kind of means that Sims is probably doomed to have the same fate unfortunately like i still see him performing well and doing you know he every now and then he'll score a 40 50 plus score but so did bromwich and kafusi so i think that yes he's an option but he's not the best option around at an edge he'll make a bit of cash but nothing nothing outlandish that people are hoping for yeah i agree with that probably their options yeah and what about your trap for the edge roll oh geez a trap for the edge roll I can go mine first if you want a bit of time. Yeah, please. <laughs> so I actually posted about uh, this guy on the Instagram at Footy Brains Pod uh, just yesterday. Uh, Jeremiah Nanai. I just, I, I don't see how he improves on his score from last season. He was scoring, uh, what, I think it was every, every five games, he was scoring four tries. So his try scoring throughout last season was huge. And he's in 14, almost 14% of teams now. I, I just don't see how he keeps up those attacking stats into next season. I still think he's going to be there and thereabouts. I think he'll fix up his defensive game a little bit, so not as many missed tackles, and he'll be a bit, bit more involved in the defensive side of the of the game. But 
I just don't see him keeping up with the attacking stats to be able to be, you know, pumping out, you know, 50 plus scores every, every now and then. Like he obviously had those games where he only, you know, scored 20, 30 odd. Um, but that was due to a lot of missed tackles. I reckon he'll reduce those, but I just don't see him getting, you know, your 50s, your 60s every couple of weeks either. So I think he'll even out a bit, Jeremiah Nanai, and I think he's probably priced about right giving his fluctuations. He'll probably sit between the 600 to 650K mark, I believe. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, yeah, he's a... Well, I don't know. I think he's, his tries will drop off, but... Um... I don't know. Maybe it's my Cowboys bias as well. I think his his base stats will improve as well. I just don't think he's going to have those, you know, games like he did last year where he has ten missed tackles and things like that. So yeah. I think it'll even out a little bit. But uh, yeah, I will probably be looking elsewhere and maybe jumping on him, uh, you know, throughout the season. I think he's got value for drafts. I think people are underdrafting him, but yeah. Um, yeah, definitely not for a start. And I, I have circle back. I remember my trap. It's uh, it's TPJ. Um, I'm just a little bit hesitant of him. You know, everyone, he could just he's one of these players, you're like, oh, this has to be his year. But <laughs> is it going to be his year? I don't really think so. Uh, he's pretty highly owned. He's, yeah, over 11%. I think... A lot of people will be scared off when they see the team list because I think he's probably going to be off the bench. Um, yep. At least that's the way I kind of have their team looking. But, yeah, he's someone I'm probably looking at, uh, yeah, going elsewhere. And if uh, – yeah, I just don't see him hitting, you know, those kind of 50-plus scores that people maybe think he might um, unless he's – if he's getting kind of that 80-minute roll on an edge – Potentially, but yeah, I think it's that's kind of where his value is. It's and yeah, Kikau and RFM, I think, are going to take those spots. So I don't like him as much in the middle. So yeah, I kind of agree with you there because it looks like he's probably going to get a bench spot. Most likely, you're going to see guys like Ryan Sutton or Luke Thompson at lock. Yeah. So I just don't see how he gets a starting spot in this team. And you're only picking him if he gets a starting spot. So. Uh, to the owners of TPJ, the 11% of you in NRL Fantasy. Um, yeah, yeah, wake definitely, up. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, it's, it's, he's one of those players that I'm never going to go back to because they've burnt me in the past. That list grows every year. <laughs> I just, I, every time people ask me about these players like your Utuikamanus, your, your TPJs, um, I'm just like, well, yeah, they kind of look like they've got value, but no, there's not a chance in hell that I will go back ever. Yeah. Stubborn old man Daniel doesn't uh, doesn't go back to the well again. So, absolutely. Uh, actually, another couple of traps that I thought about in the edge spot. We've talked a lot about Schuster, and I know where you're kind of hot on him. I'm kind of cold on him. But another guy that I actually have in that kind of potentially a trap uh, spot for an edge is Tom Gilbert for the Dolphins. What are your thoughts on Gilbert? Oh, I'm probably more on the opposite spectrum than I. I quite like him. I just, this is just Cowboys galore. Cowboys are uh, <laughs> biased galore this episode for me, but I just really rate him. I think he's going to be the leader of this forward pack, I guess, minus Jesse Bromwich, who got the captaincy, but I think he's going to potentially get really big minutes. I'll be kind of interested to see where he lands because I think he's going to play mostly during the mid- in the middle. And I think he scores last year when he was playing on the edge 
for the Cowboys, he didn't have as much base stats. He wasn't as involved. He was kind of happy just playing defensive. And But when he kind of transitioned into the middle, I think that's where he was getting a lot of his uh, his points and that's where his kind of average comes from. Like, it would be interesting, I guess, if we had some stats of what his average was that first in he played in the second row and then when he came into the into the middle, how his average changed um, and he's like PPM. But I think if he's getting, uh, you know, 55, 60 minutes in the middle, he presents some really big value, especially if he's got that lock spot. Um, and I think they're going to struggle this year. They're going to need big minutes out of him. His scores won't be affected too much from how bad the Dolphins are going to be. Maybe they're better because they'll have to make a lot of tackles. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm... I haven't got him locked into my team, but I'm pretty keen on him. Yeah, he's definitely one on the radar. I just I keep kind of putting him in my team, then taking him out because I keep thinking, you know, oh, <laughs> is Ray Stone going to eat into his minutes as well? What's the what's the likelihood of him scoring well? When you look at his stats from past seasons, you don't really have much much to go off in the way of how he performs at lock because, like you said, he rotates through that position. He doesn't start there, so um, it's hard to judge what his point scoring will be like at lock. So um, I'm hoping I see a game or two of him in the preseason where he plays lock. Like I hope I see a game where the Dolphins actually roll out a starting squad um, and then we get a bit more information on what his kind of output and production will look like in that role because then we can make a better better informed decision for the season. Oh, yeah, I don't mind that as well. Maybe you just hedge your bets. Go Stone, go Gilbert as well. One of them has to do well. Someone's got to tackle for the Dolphins. <laughs> or maybe no one will. Yeah, what happens if they, they even out and they both get like roundabout scores, like Stone only gets, you know, 20, 30K in price rises, Gilbert doesn't make any money and just stagnates, who knows? Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens come round one. Um, moving on to your number one. Oh, actually, no, let's not go to the number one first up. Let's go to your top five draft order for the edges. Yeah, so number one, I've got David Feeder. I think he's going to bounce back a bit this year and go closer to that. 2021 season versus last season. I think he, you know, had a few injuries, a little bit disturbed. He's on a contract year for the Titans, which I think really is going to spark him and he and uh, kind of kick him into gear. I'm not sure if he's going to get 1.2 million again, but I think he's going to be, uh, you know, obviously trying to get as much value as he can. If he plays those first kind of 10 rounds really well, we should see what happens with his, his contract talks, but. Can we forget too with David Vita? We, I guess, in my my view, is pretty underwhelming last year. But he was still, you know, fifty plus average, <laughs> really good. Yeah, uh, I think we've just got such a high bar for him. So I think if he improves on that slightly, he'll be, yeah, that high high fifties, um, which is yeah number one in average for this position for sure. Second, and it's probably it's a pretty close second, honestly, is Angus Crichton. I think he's going to have a Another really good year. Talked about, you know, how the Roosters, I think, will be premiership favourites or, you know, definitely up there towards the point of the season. And I think Crying will be a beneficiary of that. The last few games he played last year, I think he really kicked into gear. That combination with Kiri is getting better. Um, you're starting to get some tries on that edge as well. And, yeah, kind of those touching stats, which really bumped him into those kind of 60, 70 scores. So I think there'll be more of that this year. And, He's um, pretty nice number two pick. Um, 
Third, I was guess a little bit surprised when I was looking into this, but I've got Sean Lane coming at number three. I think he's just got a pretty uh, locked-in role there in the Eels, at the Eels, I guess. Uh, yeah, quite like him. He's got got the attacking stats. He's got that really nice combination with Dill Brown. We get 80 minutes. Um, I don't expect too much to change, and I imagine he'll be in those kind of mid to low 50 scores again this this year. Um, and then number four, I've got uh, Colin Matangi having a uh, a bit of a bounce or a bit of an improved year. I think the, the Rabbitohs as well are going to be um, a, a bit better this year, and I think he's going to be a, a beneficiary of that. He was, you know, up there as it was last year, kind of in the in the 50s average. So I think there'll be a little bit of a bump up with him. And, yeah, he'll kind of make his way into that top five elite. Uh, and then kind of rounding out the top five is Isaiah Papali'i. I'm just a little bit concerned. He could really be the number three in this list. I'm a little bit concerned with him just changing teams. I kind of want to – I just think he's like a riskier pick than a Colin Atungi and a Sean Lane. Maybe this is uh, similar to my Hassan Carrigan if – Probably is now. Maybe I'm pulling the trigger um, over one of these two guys, but uh, I think there's just an added risk with him at the Tigers, and I'm kind of one that I'm probably happy to let someone else in my league draft uh, just in case he kind of crashes and burn, and I don't have to pay that you know high price for him in the in the draft. So yeah, that's my top five. Yeah, not too bad. I didn't mind that as a top five. I think the only only difference I had really, I mean, I had Crichton first, Fafita second. I had Papali'i third still. Like you already mentioned that he could still be third. I think the reason I have Papali'i still so high, not as high, but um, high enough, is that the fact that he still got points out of the Parramatta Eels side that had blokes like Maddo and Sean Lane in it, um, I still think there's a potential for him to find minutes and find points in this Tigers team. I just don't think it'll be as much just because his attacking side will kind of drop off a bit, I think. Um, but I also had Hudson Young in my top five. I think that he had a bit of a down year compared to his previous seasons. And I think he can kind of bounce back up to be uh, a bit of a gun with the Raiders, um, you know, starting with Jamal Fogarty. And, you know, they actually can start the season with their full team as long as there's no injuries leading up to round one. I think the Raiders are actually a bit of a, a smoky to kind of make the top eight um, and even be pushing for top four, given their form towards the back end of last season. Um, and actually another one that I had on my list, not in my top five, but as a bit of a smoky was Tyson Frizzell. I just think that yeah. with Clemmer gone, it looks like he kind of has to be a bit more responsible in this team and kind of pick up a bit of the slack that it leaves behind in the middle. So I've got a feeling Frizzell might come into his own again this season and could be cracking, you know, your mid fifties, closer to sixties scores where we usually see him compared to last year. He had a big down year last year. He really struggled towards the back end of last year. Um, and obviously his scores show, show that as well. Cause he only averaged around the 47 mark. So um, he's another one that actually presents a bit of value on an edge that, um, you know, not a lot of people would be looking at. Let's check. He's in less than 1% of teams. So, yeah, he's another player that's not too bad of a, an option as well. Yeah, I think he presents a little bit of value in classic, but, yeah, definitely uh, in draft as well. I think he's a top 10 kind of guy for the position. And if you're a long-time listener of the pod, I feel like we said his name every week for the last, like, two months of the yeah. of the season. We're like, oh, Frizzell, he's got he's to come back. He's got to come yeah. back. And then he just 
you never did. But if you look yeah. at his scores, he's got a bunch of injury-affected games in his average and things like that as well. So, yeah, historically, he's been a weapon. Expect him to, to come back. Yeah, um, absolutely. A few other just like kind of random points with the draft. When you're looking at your pre-draft list, make sure you're scrolling all the way down to, to John Bateman because uh, he's like in the 400s for some reason when you're on the, the pre-draft list. Um, so make sure you fix that. He's, you know, close to that, uh, to these other guys like Frizzell, um, because, yeah, we know how much of a weapon John Bateman is. I think I'm also uh, quite big on that Butcher for this, for this season. I think he potentially uh, keeps this second row spot from Tupanua. I think he was really good last year. And if he starts the season on fire with, you know, another one of those four try games or, or something like that, he can potentially keep that spot. Um, so I think he presents a little bit of value there for that reason. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Let's move on to some fan questions now to round out this week's pod. Um, I might just get your quick opinions on these, Josh, so we can get through because we do have plenty of questions to go through. Uh, Harry asks, would you start Appy Coruscant or Reed Marnie? Um, probably neither. But if I had to choose one, I would probably go with, oh, yeah, I don't know. That's hard. Maybe Appy out of the two yeah. of them. I think I agree with you. Appy sounds about right with Marnie. He's got a bench hooker there at the Bulldogs, so I'd be avoiding him for the start of the season. Um, is Hopgood going to play lock, and will he get dual position? Um, I don't know. Look into the crystal ball, mate. See what you see what it says. Um, <laughs> but no, nah, I think that's the way that things are shaping up this stage. Uh, they will play lock. I'm not sure about the dual position. We have to play like six. After round six, they come in or something like that. So potentially he gets it. But I think I think just to jump in there, from the first round, I think that they do update their positions. If they do if they're only in one position and they're named round one in another position, I think they do get updated. I might be wrong, but we'll have to we'll have to check what the fantasy rules are about that. But I'm pretty confident that they do get updated for round one team lists. It's just after that they need to play a certain number of games before they're updated for their position. Something like that. Anyway. Another question from George. Would you select Cotter or Carrigan? Oh, that's tricky. Both of them are in my team. I think both present some value. But I think if I had to lean one way, I'd go Carrigan. Yeah, I think I'd go Carrigan too. Predictions on Turbo. Oh, sorry. Connor asked, predictions on Turbo for this season. Is he worth picking up from the start? I think he is. Yeah. Um, Provided that he's playing that round one game, I'm happy to... You know, maybe that first week he doesn't 100% hit his straps, but, um, you know, he's a weapon. We know this. I expect him to, to do the same once he gets, you know, that consistency back and he's playing fullback. And, yeah, he's just a weapon, someone you want to have in your team. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a he's a pretty safe round one pick as long as he's fit and he's firing. Um, we'll see over the, over the um, preseason games as long as he doesn't get injured. Fingers crossed. Question from Christian, is Dewey worth the pickup or is there better players at his price? Look, you know my opinion, so I'm going to let you answer that one. <laughs> no, I'm pretty big on Dewey as well. Um, it's, yeah, as we were saying last week with the, the Hookers um, and Halves podcast, it's tricky because if you're not, if you are going at Dewey, means you probably aren't starting with Cleary and, and Hines, which is 
you know, got some risk to it. So, um, yeah, that's, I guess, the, the big question that you have to weigh up if you if you want to do him or if you want to go at Burton or I think you want to have two of those four um, in your in your halves. But, yeah, which way you go is, I guess, up to you. Yep, definitely go Dewey, Christian. That's what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> uh, another question, is Tanner Boyd a main hooker or do you think it's a bad option and we should be looking to upgrade by the buy round? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, it is a good question. Um, I don't think you want him as your main hooker. I just don't think he's going to be getting those, uh, you know, scores that are closer to your, your grants and your cooks. I think he's a pretty handy player and presents some value. Uh, you know, playing half, he'll have David Fafita there, and I imagine he'll be in the 40s. But I think for my starting hooker, probably want someone in the 50s, and I just don't think he's going to go, uh, go that high. So um, I've obviously, you know, made my man crush for Jaden Braley or or Bra- Blake Braley, I mean. Jaden Braley I'm quite keen on as well. But um, probably for a starting hooker, I'm more looking at those kind of guys or even like a, a Brandon Smith um, as your starting hooker. Yeah, I think I think I agree with that. Brandon Smith is your starting hooker and Tanner Boyd is your backup hooker. I, I think that's a pretty safe option because there isn't a ton of value in the hooker um, position and I think they're the two players that obviously present the most value and they're pretty much set and forget I think I don't think you need to upgrade Tanner Boyd either I think having him as a bench hooker scoring the mid 40s to close to 50 as long as he's playing halfback that is I think that's pretty pretty safe to have um, for most of the season and then you can upgrade him once you build up a bit of cash around your other cheapies and speaking of the Brailies we actually did have a question who are you choosing out of Jaden or Blake for me, Blake, but I really like Jaden as well. So I, yeah, wouldn't knock you for, for going for the other brother. Yeah, I think I prefer Jaden over the two. Out of the two Brailies, I think I prefer Jaden just because he had a bit of a down year last year and his scores are generally in the mid 50s. Whereas Blake was on the opposite side. He had a pretty big year last year. Yes, he was up and down with his scores, but last year was his better scoring season when you compare it to all his other seasons. So I think that Jaden probably presents a bit more value for this season, but yeah, obviously it'll come down to form in the end. Uh, another question. Do you think Jack Bird is a buy even if he plays in the 5-8 role come round one? No, I don't. If he's in 5-8 role, I'm not really interested in him, honestly. Uh, yeah, I want him in the lock or, or second row. Yeah, I think so. I think he's not pickable if he's playing 5-8, unfortunately. But it does provide a bit of um, bit of value if he does move back to, to lock or second row. Um, hopefully he plays a bit of 5-8, scores drop off a bit, and then you kind of look to bring him in. Maybe hopefully that changes in the first 10 rounds. I think it will because I don't think the Dragons will start very well. So, yeah, keep an eye on Jack Bird as his price might fluctuate if he starts at number six. Uh, and... Uh, question from Cohen. What are your thoughts on Ben Trebojevic and Khan Pereira as cheapies? Yeah, a bit of Burbo action. I don't think he's going to get a spot in this team, honestly. Uh, if he does, I'll definitely consider him, but I just don't imagine he, he breaks into this team. Khan Pereira is pretty interesting. I think he's one of the more, uh, I guess what people, like with all the mail and stuff, I think he's one of the more kind of, promising cheapies in the sense that like his job security and 
looks like he's going to get that round one spot. So, yeah, I'll definitely be starting with him. He's, you know, basement and, yeah, should make some money. Yeah, I think he presents a possibly a bit of a trap, Khan Pereira, because, you know, those kind of slim, fast wingers don't generally score big points on a wing. Normally you're looking for your, your big, muscly tackle-busting wingers. Um, so there is a potential that he might, you know, flat out start and not be, you know, make any money. He might average in, you know, the 10 to 15 mark and be pretty, pretty much a dud. But I think there's more upside to having Calm Pereira than there is negatives. He only needs to score 20 odd points to get price rises. So I think, um, if you're really struggling for emergencies or you can't fit, um, any more, you know, mid range or even low range cheapies in he's basement price. So I think you're right. It's, he's pretty safe there i think to go from the start of the season uh and that pretty much rounds out our questions yeah righto thanks josh thanks for your time mate um obviously we'll be here again next week uh we'll start with a bit of chat probably around the trials and how they went um but then we'll also have some other interesting stuff like i mentioned at the top of the pod there's an exciting announcement coming next week so make sure you keep an eye on our Instagram page at Footy Brains Pod and listen into the podcast next week, uh, and we'll provide you with more content then. Great, thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, catch you next week.